The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today on our show, we're talking with Doug White, the executive director of Hollywood Theater. It's the nonprofit happy hour on X Ray FM. I'm joined with Doug White, who is executive director for Hollywood. You know what? I Hollywood Theater, Hollywood Film. I I don't even know the official title. I just call it the Hollywood. Yeah, it's Hollywood Theater. It's actually what we go by now. You know, versus Film Action Oregon is our is our legal name, but we just go by Hollywood Theater. Doug, thanks for joining us. I want to jump right in. Um, I just feel like Hollywood Theater is much more than uh, a movie theater, but in so many ways, movie theaters are on the front lines of the pandemic and the quarantine. I think when people talk about uh, when the quarantine will be over, the they talk about when they feel comfortable sitting in a movie theater. Um, how 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 much do you feel like you're on the front lines? Yeah, totally feel like we're on the front lines. We were the pretty much one of the first to shut down and I think we'll be the last to open. So um, I think it is a good sort of barometer of, of how things are going is, yeah, do you feel comfortable jamming into a room with hundreds of other people, you know, for a couple of hours? Um, it'll probably be pretty much the last thing that, you know, uh, gets approved to be done at that level, right? I think we'll might be able to open up at limited capacity at some point, but um, to be able to be back open with packed crowds at the Hollywood will probably be the last thing that we get back to. And again, the Hollywood does so much more programming than just the than just the movies, which are which is such over the decade you've been there has been such a great curation of movies and presentations. Um, we're getting to get to some of the uh, some of the other programming, but let's stick on movie theaters a bit. Uh, another big, you know, part of the conversation and lifestyle during COVID has been migration to online viewing. Um, how much do you feel like this is going to change people's habits or is it creating uh, the appetite to, to actually see movies live? Yeah, I mean, so sort of at the beginning of this, everyone's like, oh no, it's the, the end of movie theaters and everything's going to go streaming. Um, I've always felt that, you know, um, people are going to be so tired of sitting on their couches and streaming movies. They're going to be so excited to get out and, and, you know, be with other people, whether it's a concert or, you know, or a film or whatever it is that I think will do just great. Now, I do think some of the bigger films, um, you know, the Marvel films or whatever might go straight to streaming at the same time as theaters, which might end up hurting the chains. But as far as places like the Hollywood or Cinema 21 or the Clinton Street, I think we're gonna do great if we can make it through it because people wanna come to their neighborhood theater see cool events, school films, um, and get together with folks for a cheap night out, you know? So I, I have no worries that it'll continue for a place 
uh, like the Hollywood to be really successful. Now what happens to all the big massive chains if they don't have the product in the same way they used to? Um, that, that could be a challenge for sure. Yeah, let's, um, for, for any of our listeners that haven't been to a screening or an event at the Hollywood, uh, it's not just about what movies you pick, but there's often a, a lecture or a discussion or something else around it. Hey, can you roll the clock back to maybe last year, January, February, and, and recall one of those events? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, just in general, we have 20 different series that we run at the Hollywood. So everything from Kung Fu Theater to B-Movie Bingo to the Eco Film Festival. Um, so we're constantly, you know, every night there was a different special event. Um, so, you know, we had 365 of them a year. Um, in, in our main auditorium. And then upstairs, we would usually have, you know, first run films playing. So um, I, I would say it's very unique, you know, that we are basically putting on a different film every night. Yeah, that often has something else going along with it, a special guest, a star. Um, I mean, the big thing that was supposed to happen was John Woo was supposed to come to the Hollywood and then the pandemic hit. So we had the event planned. We were gonna show the killer and uh, everything had to get canceled and it had been sold out, you know, and we were really excited for it. And that ended up getting canceled, um, which was a real disappointment, but hopefully he'll come back once it's safe to do so. So you've obviously lost some revenue. Um, how, <laughs> what insights can you, can you provide and, and um, how's, how are you holding up uh, with staffing and, and other considerations? Yeah, so I mean, obviously our earned revenue um, was was pretty significant from ticket sales and from concessions. And so we lost, you know, we've lost about 90% of our revenue. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a huge hit. Um, we're, we are lucky in the fact that we own our building, the, the theater outright. Um, and so we don't have any debt on that. And then we also given, uh, you know, over the last 10 years, we've been pretty successful. We have a huge membership base of over 4,000, almost 5,000 members. Um, between all of that, we had a pretty healthy reserve. Um, and so between that um, and some of the additional funding we've been able to get as a nonprofit um, since the pandemic started, we're, we're hanging in there, you know, and we should, should make it through and be able to come out on the other end. As far as staffing, um, we basically still have our, our whole leadership team together. Um, which is about eight of us. Um, everyone's still from marketing to development to facilities and um, programming. Everybody's still on board and, you know, feels like we're working more than ever, but I'm not sure we're not doing much, but we're working a lot. Um, actually, we are doing a lot, but it just feels compared to what we used to be doing, you know. Um, but of course, we couldn't keep all of our box office staff and concession staff um, on through through all of this. Um, so that's been a challenge. They're furloughed. We'll bring them all back as soon as we can pay them, but um, we can't really pay them until we're actually open and they're working. I want, I want to peel off one part of what you talked about, which was the membership uh, members and the membership program. You know, I think a lot of, uh, some organizations are fortunate not to have memberships. How How have you kept your members engaged and uh, it's a two-part question. How have you kept them engaged and, and what response have you seen from your members? Yeah, that's actually been, you know, one of the most um, heartening things about this whole thing is the support that we're receiving from our members. So obviously most of them can't take advantage of their uh, perks and their benefits. 
Um, but we're actually membership, um, particularly at the beginning, membership actually went up. And most people, when they were renewing, were actually upgrading to higher levels. Um, so having that base of, you know, almost 5,000 people supporting us, you know, has been really important and has helped keep, basically help us keep the staff together um, and helped us, you know, being paying all of our bills. You know, we also acquired Movie Madness. Um, and so that is something that we don't own the building there. So we have rent there. Um, and we've been running Movie Madness Express there where people can come pick up movies. So it's been helping just to help fund that because it's not making its money back, but it's sort of a service, you know, we're providing. But our membership, yeah, has been a huge support to us and we can't, you know, thank them enough for their, their you know, con continued support even during this time. So. Yeah, no, it, it, it's uh, perhaps emphasizes why people support uh, organizations like Hollywood. Hey, I want to talk about some of those. I want to talk about Movie Madness and PDX Theater and, and uh, you guys had just started or a year ago had started classes as well, sort of a, almost an academic style class. Um, yeah. yeah, so we started Movie Madness University. We actually never even got a chance to have our first in-person class. Um, so we'd actually had sold, you know, had sold out of, and they were supposed to start in March and then those never happened. But we did pivot um, and started uh, Movie Madness University online. And so we've started these classes and we're doing them online. And that's actually, for the most part, we were all pretty resistant to go virtual and sort of everything. We're, we're very brick and mortar. We like film. We like, you know, uh, inside a historic theater and like everybody gathering. We like physical media, you know, Movie Madness. And so when we had to switch everything to online, we were we definitely, most of us didn't want to do it. And we kind of begrudgingly went along with it. But as time has gone on, I think we've gotten more used to it and we've seen some of the benefits for it. So uh, Movie Madness University is, is the prime example where at, we have a, it's called the Miniplex at Movie Madness, which is where we're going to host the classes. And for those who haven't heard about it, basically um, it's, you know, like film theory. Um, so basically they'll have a, an instructor and have like a theme of films from a director or for, or of a subject matter. And you'd watch multiple films and then discuss them with the instructor and with the class. Um, we, when moving that online, you know, at Movie Madness, we could only have 16 people per class. Um, now we're doing this Roger Corman master class and we've got 200 people. Oh, wow. So that's, you know, number one, we can sell more spots, but it's, you know, it's still not a huge moneymaker. But best is it's how accessible it is. And so I think we will keep after the pandemic of, you know, a portion of this online and letting people access it from, you know, uh, wherever, including what we're getting people from all over the country doing. So um, that's been a really good thing to come out of this. Hey, how, how unique is Hollywood Theater and, and the organization? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you talk and it just sounds, you know, this is just, an, it's an incredible, the Movie Madness University, uh, the, 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 the small theater that uh, Hollywood was really instrumental getting opened and, and I believe you manage at PDX, mm -hmm. um, as well as the, the programming that you do. Sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that not every city has this. Um, yeah. How unique are you? Do you can, can you gauge that? Well, so we're actually part of something called the Art House Convergence, um, which is a group of art house theaters across the country. Um, and there's a, a big conference every January before Sundance. And um, it's, you know, it's huge. So there's tons of great independent theaters across the country. I, I think we're pretty unique. Like no one else has really has an airport cinema. 
you know, no one else is running a video store or maybe like, I mean, there's like maybe one or not really a theater running a, a video store. There are other nonprofit video stores, but this combination of having a theater and a video store, Alamo Draft House did it a little bit, um, but no one's really done it kind of the way we're doing it. So yeah, I think we, we definitely have found some unique um, programs and other arms to sort of create for the organization. The, the Alamo being in, in Austin, correct? Yeah, correct. Well, now it's a massive corporation that's been sold and is all over the country. So yeah, they're not quite what they used to be. <laughs> um, hey, let's take a quick music break. Uh, this is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. We're talking with Doug White, who is the executive director for Hollywood Theater. Uh, Doug, you brought in a song for us? Yeah, I was just listening to it this morning. It's this band called Mari Hata, which is a um, like kind of an African soul funk band from 1976. And the song is uh, No Condition is Permanent. And it was giving me some positive vibes this morning. <laughs> Sounds appropriate. Condition is getting in the 
condition is getting unstable too. Jawas out of pen. Skin to be had horrors to see every day. Everybody, they can't pause to think. Power be changing, 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 changing. For better, for worse. 20th century world, world be changing, world be changing, for better for worse, because uh, no condition is permanent, no condition is permanent, condition is getting unstable, no condition, condition is permanent. Uh, this is the Nonprofit Happy Hour, X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm talking to Doug White, who is executive director for Hollywood Theater. Um, the band you just played, Marihata, I think that's an, a, a, maybe a nice cue to talk a little bit about uh, diversity and uh, diversity and equity. Uh, you know, I, Hollywood Theater was already really a showcase for uh, an incredible variety of filmmakers uh, genres, films. Um, I saw either screening or coming up with the, the National Black Political Convention of 1972 uh, was, was something that was screening. But in the past year, obviously, equity has become uh, a more uh, uh, front and center issue for many people and many organizations what discussions are happening at Hollywood Theater about what to do or about what more to continue doing? Yeah, I mean, this is a conversation we've been having a while. And, um, you know, we show a lot of repertory film, older films, and it's it's a challenging thing to do. These things don't, a lot of them don't stand up <laughs> the test of time very well. And so it's like, how can how do we balance that? How do we show films that we maybe think are important or are, or, you know, part of our culture and our history yet addressing a lot of the issues that show up in them um, that uh, are definitely challenging. So we've been working with DEI consultants for you know, the last couple of years and doing you know, staff trainings and uh, discussions. Um, and it's, it's a really, it's actually still to this day, it's a very tough, it's a tough place to be in to show older films and do it in a way that you know, you're not over contextualizing what people are seeing because people don't want to be lectured either on what they're seeing, but you also want to acknowledge 
um, that these films are problematic because if you just throw up a Buster Keaton film that has blackface in it, you know, how do you, how do you engage with the audience about like, we know that this is in here, right? And we're, we're aware of it. Um, we're, you know, how do we still show the film? Do we not show the film? There's been those conversations, you know, and so a lot of the time we're trying to have, you know, um, somebody there maybe if it's a very problematic film to speak to it right to have a conversation with the audience um uh, afterwards um about it or before you know so it is it's 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 a struggle and i think we'll continue and as time goes on and right now that we're closed it's kind of a challenge you know to keep these things going though we are looking at in this next six months kind of as we're getting ready to open is ramping up those conversations again and and coming up with like how do we handle this going forward, because I think the world will be a different place when we open back up, you know, than it was from before we were closed. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, and for, for the better and for the, the more equitable and, you know, but even, you don't even have to go back as far as Buster Keaton. I mean, I think that, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend last week about John Hughes films yeah. and, you know, in the, the, the eighties breakfast club was seen as this idea of, uh, uh, really standing up for the underdog or for being about not judging people. And it's an incredibly homophobic movie uh, with some of the, the comments that are thrown around between the characters. Uh, and, it, and it can be a surprise. And like you said, um, you know, how do you either contextualize that or, or present it or not present it? I mean, is there, does it come down to a gut feeling? I mean, or is, is there a, is there a test that you do, or is there a, a a group of people that you're screening this past? I mean, how 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 formal does it have to become? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I wouldn't say we don't have. I mean, we have our programmers that we, you know, Dan Halstead, and but then we also we're unique in that we have community programmers. Um, number one, Anthony um, Hudson uh, is a community programmer for us, who's actually became on staff works about 20 hours a week, but then we've got about 20 other film programmers that we work with um, that just come in and do their series or their event. Um, we definitely have conversations with all of them to sort of vet their films more than they used to. Sometimes you'll be like, same thing, like, oh, let's watch Breakfast Club, that sounds fun. I remember loving that, you know, when I was younger. And you sort of don't quite remember, you're not watching it through 2020 eyes and, you know, back then. And so once you see it now, you're like, oh, this is, this is really problematic, you know, and so how do we address that? It's, it's a real challenge. I mean, also, again, you don't want to get to the point where you're just censoring things either. And even when we were going through with our consultants, um, you know, you don't also want to hide the past, right? Pretend this stuff never existed. Um, so I, it is not a formal process that we go through. It is sort of like on a film by film basis, because you, you just having these blank rules, depending on who's presenting it, um, you know, you know, what, what are the issues in the film? And then what are we doing to address it? Um, one thing we did that I, I really liked, so our Ecofilm Fest wanted to show um, Chinatown. Um, and, you know, so this is even outside of the film, you also have problems with the filmmakers, right? So Roman Polanski is a problematic figure. And so do we still show his films? And what we ended up doing was donating a portion of the proceeds to like a women's shelter. Um, for that event and that seemed to sort of you know it just worked well kind of around people still want to see that movie and talk about it uh, but we also want to acknowledge the issues that go along with it and do something about it so um, that was sort of one example of something that we try to do and it's, we'll do things like that going forward 
um, as these come up. And it usually it's our leadership team as a group is the one getting all the training and we have these conversations. And if there's a problematic event or film that comes up to that group, we discuss it and then maybe I end up calling our DEI consultant saying, I got a real tricky one here, how should we handle this? And get some more advice, so. Yeah, I'm, Portland, Portland is so fortunate to have the Hollywood theater. I mean, be, be, you know, for many reasons and one being uh, the curation that uh, you all do, um, as well as just knowing that there's, there's a great moral compass in place. Um, and I want to just wrap up with a couple more questions. So it's been a decade, if not more, that you've been executive director. Is that true? Is that about That's right? That's true. Yeah, it was 20, 2010 when I started. Um, hey, so if you could uh, uh, travel back in time to 2010, 10 years ago, any advice yeah. you'd give yourself uh, as far as navigating uh, being executive director? Yeah, I mean, I had never been an ED before this job, so it was definitely an overwhelming uh, task to take it over. I probably would just tell myself, calm down, it's gonna be fine, you know, just <laughs> have faith in what you're trying and what you're doing. Um, so, uh, you know, I, it honestly turned out better than I imagined. Like when we had started, we were in pretty bad shape at the time and honestly only had about six months to last with the, once I got in there and saw what the finances were like, it was, it wasn't great, you know, and so we were sort of like had nothing to lose. And so Justin Harn, who worked there at the time and then went on to Open Signal and Dan Halstead and Connor, like we basically all just started, you know, experimenting and, and you know, throwing things at the wall to see what would stick. And so thankfully, a lot of things stuck um, and it's gone really well. And so I've uh, been been pleased with with how it turned out. And it's, you know, mainly because of the great staff that I that I manage now. And let's let's wrap this up with if you wouldn't mind just a few recommendations uh, for movies. I mean, favorite underrated director or best Oregon movies or or any anything that's that's um, that that you think could use a viewing. Well, so I'll probably just stick with what's in my head right now, um, which is I just saw uh, Steve McQueen's Lovers Rock. I don't know if you've seen his small acts films yet. Um, uh, they're on Amazon Prime, and it's sort of this weird combo between uh, TV series and film. They're actually sh like four short film or four films, not short. This one's maybe a little over an hour, but right now the theater is completely closed, um, and so but I can still go in there. And so I went in there and watched Lovers Rock on the big screen by myself, and it's an incredible film. And it was uh, I, so I just really recommend that movie. Um, that's a, another that's one a I nice watched private recently. screening room that you have. Yeah, I know, right? It's 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 really actually kind of depressing. I didn't do it for the longest time because it was too depressing to go in there and watch like a movie alone, you know. But it's gone on so long now. I'm like, all right, I'll take advantage of it and and do that occasionally. I mean, our, our staff do, you know, probably a few times a week. There's somebody in there watching something, you know, trying to take advantage of it. Um, I also saw Miracle Mile recently, um, the 1988 film about the nuclear holocaust <laughs> coming. Uh, and that really kind of stuck out uh, to me. And as uh, I saw, the last time I saw it was in the theater when it came out in 88. So um, it's a good pandemic type, you know, end of the world movie. <laughs> right. Right. Well, uh, to put things in perspective, I suppose, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Doug White is executive director for Hollywood Theater. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk today. And thanks for... Um, Thanks for all the work of uh, uh, really building up, Holly rebuilding Hollywood theater over the last 10 years and, and um, 
making it stronger. And I look forward to coming back for a movie soon. All right. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate you having me on. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.